I decided to redefine what cool is. Instead of cool being going to the coolest, the biggest party in Manhattan, I decided that cool to me would be pursuing passions and interests and going a layer deeper than I ever had before. Welcome to the show that drops in on people's moments of clarity surrounding their choice to not drink. I'm Kate Madry, and I'm so happy you're here. Sobriety is like a thumbprint, and just like your skincare routine or your self-care routine, everyone's sober care routine is very different. By the end of each conversation, you'll leave with a little bit more insight to help guide you while building your sober care routine. This is a clear-headed podcast. Today's convo is with Brooke LeBlanc. She's the founder and CEO of a new app called Edge. You can actually join the waitlist in the link in the description. We talk about so much. This conversation does kind of focus on entrepreneurship. We also talk about how important it is to redefine what you think is cool. So let's kick this off with the way I kick off every combo, which is if you could time travel with me and go back to when you realized alcohol wasn't serving you anymore, what was that moment or moments like? The exact moment when I decided to stop drinking was 4 p.m. on a Tuesday. I was sitting at a co-working space unhappy with a corporate sales job and looking to move into the startup world. Um, So I really decided that I correlated drinking with inhibiting my growth and my ability to invest back into myself in a way where I could turbocharge my career. I got time and energy back in my day. So I I very vividly am sitting in that seat. uh, It's at a Soho Works location in Dumbo, New York. Uh, it's snowing outside. So this was in the dead of winter in COVID. Um, and I, I thought to myself, there's no opportunity cost to give up drinking right now. I was 23 at the time, um, living in a nightlife centric city. As you know, if you've ever visited New York or if anyone's listening to this who lives in New York, and I was working in sales and sales is a very male dominated field with happy hours and business lunches and everything you can imagine um, centered around drinking. So it was it was really clear to me that that was the direction I wanted to go in. And after deciding to quit drinking for a week, I decided to quit drinking for an entire month. After the month of October, I extended it to three additional months. And after that, at the turn of the new year, going into 2021, I decided to call myself sober and I adopt the identity of, of a sober person. Wow. I love that you know exactly where you were because it's it's kind of rare. I mean, to know – I mean, I, I guess I can go back to, to like the exact moment and just like – I think it's so ingrained for me because it really was like my aha moment, but there are are so many little moments that lead up to that. Did you have like any little leads up to your 4 p.m. on a Tuesday? Like, okay, this is definitely gonna, I'm gonna pivot right now. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. (laughs) So in context, this is the year 2020. I mean, no matter what your circumstances were, it was a challenging year. 
Uh, and I wasn't excluded from that. It was really tough. Uh, being in a sales role, that's typically a department that you see cuts in. So either budget cuts, roles were laid off. Luckily that I wasn't affected by any of those circumstances, but um, I was selling software and we had already, we were pretty tech enabled and remote enabled as a team before COVID. So um, I guess I was in the right place at the right time to retain my job, but it still wasn't easy to keep my job, uh, especially in a commission based role. So that was really challenging. And I will Mm -hmm. say that I, I just sought to kind of maintain or even I actually got promoted that year. So I was climbing the corporate ladder while uh, there was just all of this chaos going on in the macro environment. Wow. Yeah, that's it seems like you have a lot more of a structured way of looking at things than I do. Like I'm so uh, chaotic and creative and like I don't know, like I think it's a blessing and a curse because having such uh, flexibility in how I looked at things for me when it came to my drinking prevented me from being kind of rigid in what I knew was best for me. I gave myself a lot of flexibility in how I defined certain things in my life and in my world and the role that alcohol played in it. Do you feel like having your kind of structured way of thinking was a good tool for your kind of sober journey? I mean, I mean, do you even think of yourself as like a structured thinker or like, I don't even know if that's a term, honestly. I don't know if like structured thinker is even a term, but I don't know, like, um, you have all your ducks in a row. You seem like you're very logical. <laughs> Did that logic help you in your first week, then turn to month, then beyond? And like how so if it did? Yeah, being a logical thinker, being quite analytical with the way I approach my business life and personal life, it really helped because I could pretty quickly I, when I cut out drinking, I created a vacuum of time and space in my life because I took away a lot of the going out uh, festivities, activities, just business-wise, no happy hours for that period of time. Um, and then in my personal life, I decided to kind of step down. I didn't do Halloween that year. And I just made some decisions to make sure I wasn't in a room where I would accidentally take a shot with a friend and be tempted. Um, and by seeing that vacuum in my life and being kind of an illogical thinker, I decided to apply myself in other areas. So I picked back up reading. I picked back up my fitness life and I found other hobbies and communities to be a part of um, to fill up that time. Picking things back up, I think is like the key to making it so clear to yourself, to those little voices in your head that say like, you're missing out, you're missing out. Well, if your cart is full, if you've picked up all these other healthier, cooler, newer things, then you can't see the emptiness. You only see the abundance. So what are like some of the things, like I know you just listed them, but can you dive into a specific of like a book or a workout routine that you really put your energy into in that first week or month or beyond? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question because what I think helped me a lot is I decided to redefine what cool is instead of Mm. cool being 
going to the coolest, the biggest party in Manhattan. Um, I know one of my friends that year went to a Casa Cipriani party for Halloween, which is a private members club. And that that seems like it would be cool, a, t- a hard door to get into. <laughs> Everyone wears a costume and you're mingling with society's elite. Um, and I decided that cool to me would be pursuing passions and interests and going Mm. a layer deeper than I ever had before. So I took advantage of the tools that were around me. I lived a couple blocks away from an indie bookstore, so I would spend extra time going through the shelves and finding different genres that appealed to me, whether it's philosophy or history, um, and finding cool books to read. And uh, at the time, Clubhouse was really big, so working in the tech industry, meeting people on Clubhouse was a nerdy but cool way to go deeper (laughs) and network and meet people when um, there weren't really other options in New York. Everything was shut down at the time. This was pre-vaccine. Um, So this was my way to socialize. Sometimes I'd send my friends from my hometown and invite to Clubhouse and I'd say, get online at 11 p.m. Virgil Abloh is going to speak in a forum. So it's like finding what is cool to you and then allowing yourself to feel rooted in that and not waver when other people say, oh, you stayed in on Halloween. It's like, yeah, but I did X, Y, Z and I feel great the next morning. Like who who knew that was possible? Yes. Yeah. Yes, totally. And like the permission to redefine these words or identities or I don't know, routines that for so long we felt have been accurate and true, but like giving yourself the permission to say like, actually that cool term or like trendy or fulfilling these big words that we kind of run after on the daily can be redefined and we get to do that and that's like the power in making a lifestyle uh pivot with leaving alcohol behind um you mentioned community and i know that community and finding like-minded people is such a pillar of um your sobriety and your choice to stay sober, whether it starts with a community like within yourself, like I said, that my my inner community had to get on the same page and I had to get to know all these versions of myself. And that was really important. Um, but going out and like the outward community of friends or dating or like the list goes on and on. How besides Clubhouse, did you like do anything to find people that were like like-minded in the world of non-drinking or were you able to find something that fit for you? Yeah. And I never deliberately walked out of my house or apartment building in Manhattan and stepped outside. I was on Wall Street at the time. So in the concrete jungle of Wall Street, uh, I never thought to myself that I need to find other people who also weren't drinking. I just pursued things that were interesting and then alcohol wasn't centered around it. Uh, so some yeah. examples are, I, I went deeper into the art world. Uh, I've grown up going to Art Basel. Um, my sister's an artist. So I would go to events at the Whitney and artist talks. And that's an example of forming community around a shared interest that doesn't necessarily 
revolve around alcohol. You, there might be a champagne cart in the corner uh, or a bar across the street where people go afterwards for the after party, but you can opt out. Um, another interesting example, and this is just by nature of living in New York because there's something for everyone there. Um, and I took advantage of that. And there's a meditation studio in the East Village called Three Jewels. And I decided to start taking classes there and I've built community there and they're tied to a studio in LA that I practiced with. And so it's cool to see over time um, how those community roots that you started initially forming can spread um, and outside of your city too. So you can live anywhere in the US or in the world um, and find something that is a way for you to find belonging um, and then not be tempted to drink that it does exist you you do have to search for it so i'm also very online um, and using social media as a tool to find these things um, helped me a lot in early sobriety yeah it is like a double-edged sword you feel like i feel like social media can be such a helpful resource and also kind of like a harmful comparison like FOMO vortex it just it's all like the algorithm what are you seeing that day but it is it is like so interesting because I just the way that you worded or your perspective on like I didn't seek out specifically sober communities but what I instead did was put my interest at the forefront of those friendships of those relationships and I think that's such a powerful perspective to have because it is easy to focus on the like lack of alcohol, like focus on like what you're missing out on and then finding communities, which is very important that also kind of center around focusing on what's missing or what's out or what is excluded intentionally but there's – I don't know. I guess I just feel like that's so empowering in a way to not even have alcohol be like a part of your recipe for the evening or your intention, whether it's having it be at the forefront or having it be excluded and like on the do not enter list. Um, do you feel like – was it hard at first to do that? Did it get easier? And – did you find that anybody else you were meeting also kind of had that like perspective? Um, or yeah, like what's what what was the evolution of that per perspective and those results? Yeah, I would say year one sobriety, I'm almost at year three. So in year one, it was very clear the progression of how I developed in my identity as a sober person. And the more comfortable I got with not drinking in a room with people drinking, the stronger my experience was. So the better quality my experience was and the more other people felt permission to also not drink, which was a really cool side yeah. effect that I didn't expect. That's so cool. Um. I love that because it does it does like evolve and I do feel like it is like a muscle. You know, like we've now like all be three years in November and you're going to hit three years soon. And like it, you can look back and and kind of like hindsight's 2020 where you're like, oh, yeah, I, it was this was what I did and this is how I did it. But it's sometimes we forget that it was like 
um, not the easiest thing or it was like a weaker muscle that we had on perspective. And it's so okay to try something out even if it's not like your biggest strength yet. Try to lead with just your interest instead of what drink you're going to get. Like just try to start implementing that perspective a little at a time and you'll get stronger um, at that being like your your lead. Let's talk about how you took all of that and are channeling it and have channeled it into Edge, which I – is an app and I'm not even going to try to like give a rundown, give a skinny. I handing you the mic. Tell me like about it and what, like, what was that moment of clarity? Like, like that's a big tall order to start an app. <laughs> when did you make that choice? Yeah. They, so there's a few different forces at play. Uh, one, and the reason why I'm here talking to you today is that I've been sharing online about my sobriety journey. Um, My first year sober uh, that November, so after a full year, I shared online an article saying the decision that changed my life becoming sober. And I shared it on the blockchain. So there's a website called Mirror and it's like medium, but um, it's irrefutable. It's immutable. It's it. You can't you can't delete it. Once something is out there, um, you can't go back and edit it. I didn't ask any of my friends to review it. Um, I just wrote my entire essay in one sitting because I just uh, didn't want to keep being asked why I got sober or did I have a problem. I just wanted to kind of share my truth and close the door on it. And then instead of closing one door, I opened up a hundred more. <laughs> and that's that's when I first realized I had founder market fit in the space. After having worked in tech, reported up to founders of tech companies, I always wanted to be a founder, but I would never put myself in the position to take on this risk without having a true mission um, and feeling like I had the wind at my back to really move forward and build something, especially earlier in my career. So I was at the right place, right time. And right now I've already brought on two people to help build a product, two technical people. Um, They're super talented. I'm really proud and excited um, for the next year we have. Uh, moving forward. So we are in stealth. There's not too much I can say about the app besides the fact that we are going to help you cut back or quit drinking. Um, So it's for people who are sober or who fall under the sober curious category, people who want to stop, but they don't know how to, or they want to be held accountable. Um, Yeah. And we're, we're really pumped um, to be moving forward on it. And it's, it's just been the coolest journey ever. And I can't wait to be building in this space over the next 10 years. That is so epic. Like, I am so proud of you sitting here in like, I'm not, I don't have an app. Like, I want to one day, don't get me wrong. And we did, Sarah and I were toying with the idea of doing a community-based app for Clearheaded, but holy moly, the workload and the funding and the the game plan and the logic and the strategy that you have to have, which we touched on at the top of this episode is so clearly like your good perspective and necessary perspective through doing something this massive. What have, like, so how long have you been working on it? Yeah. So I have been part-time on it. I've been consulting for uh, a few companies and projects over the past year, Um, but I've recruited a team the past few months and we're actively fundraising right now. So I'm full-time. Oh my gosh. 
Oh my gosh. So what is your like stress barometer at? Are you at your max? Have you reached it yet? Like are you ripping your hair out but also like super thrilled? Because that's what I feel like entrepreneurship and being a founder and building something is. It's like constantly like a little bit of hair ripping out, like frustration, but you're just so thrilled. Like every single step is so valuable, kind of not kind of exactly like I have found sobriety to be. It's tough, but every single lesson is so worth the lesson. Every single freaking thing that you have a challenge or a pivot on is so freaking necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of rambled there a little bit, but first of all, how's your stress level? And I guess secondly, like what are you learning right now? Like what's a lesson that you've you've learned in the last few months from this? Yeah, the stress. I mean, I typically run a little bit more anxious, <laughs> but that's just who I am. Um, I'm currently <laughs> sitting next to a coffee and it's five o'clock in the afternoon. So I like I like caffeine. I like to stay on my game. Um, I'm a salesperson at heart, so I, I love being an energy generator, like a battery for the people in the room and people that I work with. Um, I I will say though, my stress stays at bay because I'm very aware of what's going on. I try to have a lot of patience and perspective. I try to see everything long-term. Um, I do things that are grounding every day. Like I write in my five-minute journal religiously. Uh, I never miss a day and I read a lot and I, I do a lot of practices to stay connected to my truth. And I also have other areas in my life that I get value from that I, my entire identity isn't only being a CEO. And I think that's important because I want the people who work for me and our customers and everyone who invests in our company and is around us to feel that way too. Um, A job is really important. It's not the only part of your life. Um, So having that perspective is helpful. And what we're learning now is everything through the fundraising process. This is my first time going out and raising capital Uh, it's been incredible to have some of the smartest minds in the world give you feedback on your company. Um, Feedback is a gift, and that's been the craziest experience in my entrepreneurial journey so far. Um, And right now we're are we're editing our deck actually as I'm as I'm talking to you today I was doing that 10 minutes before I'll be doing it 10 minutes after and sending in more edits um everything is always up in the air we're changing our website around I bought a new domain for us we legally incorporated our name so there's a lot of kind of day-to-day back-end stuff and all of it is new so all of it is a learning curve um but just treating it like a challenge Mm -hmm. and hoping that the fruits of your labor will come and they will come because we're building in an impact space. So I'm sure you can attest to this, but all the messages that we get from the sober community, I mean, it's, that's a drive. That's a driver right there. That gets me up in the morning and that brings a smile to my face after a long day. Uh, It's so true. And I think that in entrepreneurship and sobriety, I really feel have so many overlaps. Like it could be a whole freaking book that maybe I'll write one day. I have no idea. But specifically, the purpose of everything is so foundational in building a successful brand, a business, a vision, and keeping your motivation like consistent, even through the deck changes and the new domains and the new – if you have your why, if you have your purpose – then you have your like fuel 
And I think that's really true in sobriety. If you know why you're doing what you're doing and you have your purpose, even when you feel tempted, like in my first year, I really had so many triggers where I was like, God, I just want a spicy margarita. I'm so stressed. I just want a spicy margarita. And it wasn't until I really started to ask myself, like, why do I want it? Like, what is what? What am I actually craving? Because, like, I don't like anything else spicy. I don't really enjoy the, like, smell of tequila. So what is it? Like, what is my purpose? Why am I feeling this way? And it wasn't until I could ask and answer that question that those triggers became less triggering and that that pull for a spicy margarita turned into, I need to take a bubble bath. I need to have a moment to myself. I need to release whatever has been, you know, playing on repeat in my head. And then it's like the evolution comes. Um, I mean, do you feel, do you feel like that's true too for you and your, and your journey? Yeah. Questioning why you're doing the things you're doing is something that I've done a lot of work on, whether or not I'm journaling or I'm just daydreaming out of an airplane window <laughs> or going on a hike. Um, and I, I, movement is a great way to, they say, think on your feet for a reason. It's a great way to get your juices flowing and um, think more creatively about solving problems. Um, even ways where if you're taking a shower or you're just driving on a road that you're familiar with, that's a way to get out of your kind of thinking brain um, and kind mm-hmm. of go into systems two thinking is coming up with solutions to problems that um, might seem non-obvious to you initially. Uh, there's there's another framework that has helped me a lot, which is creating an opposing identity. So two identities, as in two, two big areas of my life that I'm investing in a lot right now. Um, one is to be a CEO. And in my head, the best CEOs in the world are likely not going to the club three nights a week. Um, and that's not how I want to show up as a leader. So that's an opposing identity to a drinker. Um, likewise, I'm also focusing on who I am as an athlete. And an athlete doesn't go to happy hour four nights a week or show up hungover to um, a run club the next day. An athlete stays focused. They're always on or they're in recovery mode. Um, so thinking about what identities are most important to me and then reverse engineering. So thinking through all the habits that an athlete would do or a CEO would do and then operating my life like that. You can tell going back to the first kind of question, I am very analytical about this stuff because I really think that it's empowering that you can achieve anything you want, but you do have to work for it. What's your sign? (laughs) I got to (laughs) know. When are you, what's your sign? I'm an Aquarius. Oh, interesting. Okay, like I say that like as if I know everybody's charts and everybody's signs. I like totally had you pinned as a Virgo because I'm a Virgo too. And I was like, she seems like she's Virgo. You must have Virgo in your chart (laughs) or something. Very, very analytical. But I don't know. Maybe anybody out there who knows all about the signs, tell me if that's (laughs) – she feels like an Aquarius. I could see it though, like kind of, isn't Aquarius like very fluid, like you're kind of a dreamer or am I thinking Pisces? I don't know. Who knows? You are who you are and you're perfect who you are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, let's, uh, this like went by so quickly, but I feel like 
I got to know while we, when we wrap this up, what is currently in your sober care routine? Mm, I love mocktails. <laughs> yes. What are you drinking? What are you yeah, sipping I- on? <laughs> Oh my gosh, all the things. I Well, luckily, I'm very blessed because living in New York, there's a non-alcoholic bottle shop in every neighborhood. Yeah. So I have availability and I have I, I can even get Busan delivered. So I yes. can get drinks delivered to my apartment. Yes. Um, and all I have to do is go downstairs. Sometimes it gets delivered to my door. So that I am, I've, because of my circumstances, I've tried a lot of beverages. Um, I can tell you that three spirits spark and sharp. Yes. It's that's really good. It's a botanical drink because I love feeling kind of caffeinated. And so anything with like L-theanine property or um, sometimes I'll just like a a recess CBD if it's before bedtime. Um, So I try to match the ingredient to my mood and what kind of outcome I want after I drink it. And then sometimes I'll just have drinks for fun. Like uh, on 4th of July, a couple days ago, I had Ken Spritz with my friend and that was our 4th of July celebration. So that made a lot of sense for the time. And then you also can't have glass on a rooftop at a pool. So uh, just kind of Mm -hmm. thinking through like what's most, how do I, what, what kind of drink makes the most sense for this environment? And then I always try to BYOB, bring your own beverage um, to a situation. (laughs) So I come prepared and I have my bag full of it. Uh. I love that. It is. It goes right back to purpose. On our website, we say put the purpose back in your glass because it really is true and you totally just hit the nail on the head. There is a drink for every occasion, how you want to feel, and it doesn't have to include alcohol. Um, And I love Spark. I love Spark. Like we're right on the same. They redid their labels. I like the old one, aesthetically better, but it's still very, very good. So whenever we get together, we'll have to pop open a bottle of Spark. Get a little caffeinated. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. Oh my God. Thank you so much for coming on. I am so excited to keep following along with you and I can't wait. Maybe we'll have to get together in a year from now and just see what has happened for you and for me and for this cool creative space that we're in. I'm so down. Let's do it. For more guidance on building your sober gear routine, head to clearheaded.co or follow us on Instagram at clearheaded.co. (laughs) 